island of Gondor to contact us or find out more information about us. Please visit our website at thelentilmulet.co.uk. Let's turn your Bibles. I want, to talk, I want to talk this morning, this has been on my heart, and I'm still at the moment to come and share testimony. I, I want to talk, and it fits in with that Andy was sharing there, about, and that, that was the, one of the words that came on Wednesday during our prayer meetings, really, about this banqueting table. I want to talk this morning about, about dealing with guilt. I wonder how many people, and it's, I think it's a massive thing, of how many people, sort of, actually, I, I meant after my sermon, actually. Sorry about that, sorry, I... <laughs> I told them to get ready, but I'm in after the sermon, so I wonder why they were staying there. I thought you had a, a word or something. I don't know what you are. I thought, what, has he got a word there? What's going on there? Uh, you're just testing it. Okay, Psalm 41, verse 14. So I want to talk about how to resolve guilt, because I think a lot of people can carry guilt and never really know how to deal with it, how to resolve it. Psalm 51 and verse 14. Well-known psalm from David. I just really sense this one. God really wants to break people free and do a real work in people's hearts today. Psalm 51, verse 14. Just one verse there. It says, Save me from blood guilt, O God, the God who saves me, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. David was saying, God, you, the blood guilt of my guilt, the, the guilt that holds me, that, that guilt there. And I'm going to still to come and share a testimony because this happened a few years ago. Uh, I think it was, it was an encounter day, wasn't it? We did an encounter day quite a few years ago. And how God really lifted guilt that had been on his heart for a lot of years. Did you just share what it was and yeah, just sure. how it took place? I think so. um, in 1998, I was in Sile in Turkey. And there was, uh, it was the end of a holiday, the last day. I was on a beach, and just having a last swim. And at that time, the sea was unusually rough unusually rough, but yet it was a sunny day. And uh, anyway, I went in the water, and as I went in, I was dragged out to the sea. I was getting pulled, pulled, it seemed to pull you up. I was caught in a riptide, which took me out. I, very, I was up to there, I was up to there, and, and I was swimming out to it. But I reasoned, there was, um, there was a beach, and then there was uh, some rocks that side went out. And I reasoned that if I swam, I was going to catch the edge of the... Um, Outside the rocks, and I'd be all right. And I swam for about a few minutes, and I broke free of this riptide. And I came back, and I swam into shore again. And um, so I got on the beach, and then I heard this cry. There was a cry of a young boy, 14, 15, a Turkish boy, and um, he was caught in this riptide. So I went in after him, and within a very short time, I caught him up, and I tried to tell him to swim but to my horror he couldn't swim and he climbed up on top of me and I, we were up and down a few times and in the end we both went down and I was bouncing on the bottom of the sea and my lungs filled up with water and I was thinking silly things like I wonder what my mum's going to say and uh, you know, just, just silly totally relaxed in a total false False, false world and then the Lord said to me I knew the voice so well Sil, kick your legs and I tried to kick my legs but the boy was holding onto my shorts and so the Lord said Sil, take his hands off your shorts and I did and I kicked my legs again and I broke through the surface and I was very weak on the, on the surface. And I couldn't move my arms, couldn't move anything. I was completely finished. And I called, called out to the Lord. I said, Lord, I, I need your help. And he just breathed strength into my arms. And it was still pretty rough out there. And I, I swam out of the riptide. And I swam into shore. And I was calling out because that boy was still down there. And he needed somebody. And all along the uh, rock area, there were some restaurants and different things, and on the beach. And people just stand up and watched. None of them came to me. Um, because they probably knew that it was, it was a riptide, and they probably knew that it was dangerous. 
And um, anyway, I managed to come into shore and I, I went and called out. I was very, very upset. And an uh, Englishman came up and gave me a cup of tea. And I had to wait a few minutes for the police to come and I gave them a statement. And they went out looking for them on, on, on um, bikes afterwards to look to see if they could see him. They couldn't. And it was my last day and I, I gave a police statement and I flew away. And the, I came back and the problem I had was that the, I felt I should have done more though I didn't know what else I could have done but I should have done more. I felt guilty. And the boy kept coming up in my, in my dreams, I could see his face. And that was awful, because you, could, you, never, you never got away from it. Um, then we had a spirit weekend uh, at the Coat Hills, John. Yeah. And uh, John said, I'll pretend to be you, you pretend to be me, and you tell me. And, I, and I, we did that way. And I had to come to church, and I had to give the word, you have to had to say about it and after that after that the dreams of the man's face the boy's face I couldn't see it anymore it never came again mm. but it was a false guilt that was mm. on me and that I should have done better mm. but I couldn't praise God amen thanks so that's to a lot of people that people carry false guilt a lot of kind of guilt in their heart and that's what I want to really think about this morning about this guilt I think often we need to see ourselves in the light of what Calvary has really done. Just to see our lives, just to see our lives really in in the light of Calvary. And here's the problem, we live under the influence of yesterday's failures, yesterday's mistakes, and yesterday's guilt. So many people live under that kind of impact, so many live under that influence. And guilt has an incredible destructive force in people's life. Now, there's a story of, 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 a, of a couple immigrating to, to, to America in maybe the 20s. And, and while they were, and, and they, they, as, they, as they bought this, their ticket to emigrate to America, they didn't have much money left over. So what they thought they would do is that they would just basically live the rest of their time on that boat and just eat cheese and crackers. So I don't know how long it is to get on a crew on a on a boat to America. That's quite a few weeks. So all the weeks they they ate nothing but cheese and crackers for the whole weeks they were there. And on the last day they realised they still had a bit of money over, and, and they would use the rest of their money to really have an amazing banquet on on the last day. So they went to the captain and they said, you know, we want to all have a great meal on the last day. And the captain said to him, when you purchase the ticket you purchased all your meals. So the meals are free. How many Christians live their life eating cheese and biscuits when God has set before them an amazing banquet? Now, one of the things that's on that banqueting table is forgiveness. But how many live their life under the power of guilt? They live under incredible guilt. And guilt brings all kinds of destructive things to our life. Often it can bring anger. Often anger is a result of unresolved guilt. People, because they feel guilty, then it makes them feel angry. It can bring depression. Cause you to live under incredible heavy cloud and, and darkness and there's no peace and, and, you, and you're just struggling under this almost weight of guilt that overwhelms you, it's over your life that you can't seem to break free from. And you've never grasped or really understood the part of the banqueting feast has already been paid for by the power of Calvary. Can you say amen? By the power of and the awesome power of the blood of Jesus. And people carry all kinds of guilt. They feel guilty, maybe, about the parents. They only felt guilty about, sometimes, 
funny how they've done that with my kids, or done that with my kids, brought them up that way, done that. How many have ever felt that? We have to feel guilty as parents, don't we? We feel guilty as husbands or wives. Guilty about the things we think we should have done and we never did. Guilty about the things of our past. Guilty about not doing what we felt we should have done. Even We even do things out of guilt. We don't do things because we really feel we should do it, but we deal with it because we feel guilty if we didn't do it. I remember I, one of the things I used to do earlier in my ministry, I probably drove Angie mad, but because I preach, I come back thinking, I should have said that. Why didn't I say that? Why didn't I say this? And at night, I'll be going over in my mind. I wish I said that now. Why didn't I say this? I should have done it this way, done it that way. How many know that's a... And by come Monday morning, I was absolutely depressed because so much guilt about the way I should have done I didn't do it. And people live their life with incredible power of guilt in their life. We live under this cloud that makes us so miserable. How many found you can't have real peace as long as there's guilt in your heart? Never have real, real deep-rooted peace as long as deep inside you guilt is ruling and guilt is gripping and holding your life. Now, I've thought about this. I think sometimes some people feel spend so much time feeling guilty. They almost feel good, they feel wrong. They can't ever feel right, because they always have to feel wrong. And you can't ever, ever enjoy, because you're focused so much of what is wrong, rather than what God has done that is right. Some people actually don't feel right if they don't feel wrong. (laughs) Because there's so much guilt in their hearts. Let me just say a few things. Here's the first thing. There's a difference between conviction and condemnation. The Spirit comes to bring conviction. How many are glad for conviction? And conviction shows things in our hearts that we could not otherwise see. Jesus says, when the Spirit comes, He will convict you of sin. He will convict you. He will show your heart those things that's wrong. We don't go looking for it, but the Holy Spirit reveals it to our hearts. And so we, how many are glad for the convicting work of the Spirit? How many are glad that, I think it's a healthy thing when you feel convicted. The time to worry is when things no longer bother you, when things no longer disturb you. So it's great when the Holy Spirit does a work of conviction. But there's a difference between conviction and condemnation. Romans 8.1 that my heart, isn't it? <laughs> there is therefore no condemnation. I'm glad he's speaking that way. <laughs> For those who are in Christ Jesus. You know what condemnation is? It's like a heaviness, a heavy weight over you. Condemnation always has to do with punishment. You feel that you have to some way pay the price. I remember when I was first saved and I kind of felt that I'd said something I shouldn't have said. And so I resolved I was going to, this is how I was going to deal with it. At the time I lived in some blocks of flats in Birmingham. And so I proposed, the way to deal with my guilt was to take a track to every single door in that house. And that's what I did. Do you think that made me, do you think that erased my guilt? Do you think that made me feel better? No, because I was trying to, if you like, to punish myself to make up for what I did. And that's what condemnation is. You feel you've got to punish yourself for what you really did. And you feel this weightiness, this heaviness. This, the Bible says the devil is an accuser. And you feel continually under accusation. You feel constantly condemned. You feel constantly accused of your life and what you did. All the time, that accusation is like a video, or sorry, a DVD that continually plays itself in your mind. As Sil said, you look back, you see the faces, you see the things, you see the mistakes, you see the failure. And it's like a DVD that continually plays in your mind and the words of accusation are continually playing in your mind and in your heart. 
But Paul says, you know what you need to do? Declare that he's there for. No condemnation. No more punishment because Jesus paid the price for me. The Bible says that if we walk in the light as he's in the light, then the blood of his son Jesus cleanses us. And that word cleanse isn't just a one-off thing, it's a continual day-to-day experience. Daily, continually being cleansed by the blood. How many are glad for the blood? Now, I was just thinking about this the other day. And I, for some reason, I, could, I can often, some Shakespeare plays I can remember. Don't ask me why. Like Romeo and Juliet. Do you bite your thumb at me, sir? No, sir, I bite my thumb. Now, why do I remember that? I do not know. I can remember a quote of, of Macbeth, Lady Macbeth. And she says this, All the perfumes of Arabia cannot make these hands seem sweet. That's a good quote, isn't it? Right there. I'm only getting a bit of, you know, a bit of, you know, a bit nostalgia, you know, a bit, a bit of stuff today, you know. What's that about? She's actually saying, no matter what I do, no matter how much I wash my hands, I can wash the blood off, but I can't remove the guilt from my heart. How many people like that, no matter what they try, what they do, they can't seem to lift themselves from the guilt that's in their hearts. How many are glad for the blood of Jesus? Because that's the only solution that can cleanse away your guilt. The thing is this, God does not work through guilt. You know that? He doesn't work through guilt. Sometimes we think he does. He doesn't, for example, God does not cause you to grow through guilt. Hebrews 12 says, Jesus despised the shame. What shame? Shame are the, is the result of guilt. You feel shame because you feel guilty. But the Bible says Jesus despised the shame. And God doesn't cause you to grow through guilt. He inspires you through his word, through his love. You see, how can you really fully look to Jesus as long as you're full of failure and guilt and shame? God does not use something negative to correct a wrong thing in your life. God doesn't use guilt to to prevent future sin. You know what I mean by that? Here's the idea. If I feel bad enough about it, then I'm not going to do it again. Now, if I could really feel guilty, really bad, if I could really work up those feelings of really feeling bad enough about it, then that's going to stop me and correct me from doing it again. You know what the amazing thing is? The more you think about it, the more you kind of act that way, the more you kind of end up doing it again. Guilt drains away emotional energy and spiritual energy. Guilt so drains you that you haven't got the energy to fight the very thing that's trying to ruin your life. Because guilt drains your spiritual energy. It drives, it drains your emotional energy. So you haven't got the strength to fight the temptation and fight the sin. There's the next thing about guilt. God doesn't use guilt to prevent pride. We have to assume the more guilty I feel, the more humble it will make me. And the difference between humility and false guilt. You know, I'm useless, I'm just a worm, I'm just no good. And if someone was to come up to you and say, by the way, I think you're a worm and I think you're no good. How many would, think, how many would say, thank you so much for telling me the truth? No, we'd react. Because we, it's false humility. True humility is dependence on Jesus. Is that right? Realising he's done it all. That's true humility. Recognising the finished work and the power of the cross. Hebrews 4 verse 18 says, Therefore, come with boldness before the throne of God that we might receive help and grace in time of need. How can I come with confidence and boldness when I feel so guilty? That's why people have no confidence before God because they feel guilty. Guilt doesn't drive you to God, it drives you from God. Robs you of confidence, robs you of assurance, robs you 
of believing that what you ask, God will do, because you've got no confidence in his presence because of the guilt that's in your heart. So how many see that God doesn't use guilt? God wants to remove guilt. God wants to destroy guilt. He wants to rob it right from your heart. If anybody was to feel guilty, I think David would have. Would, would you like? He did things that you'd think would stick with someone for the rest of their life. Remember? Adultery and murder. You would think that if someone committed that, that would stay with them for the whole of their life. For the whole of their life, they would feel they can't do anything because of that, those particular things. Look at Psalm 32. I love Psalm 32. Here is David's testimony after what he did and what took place in his life. In Psalm 32, 4-5. He says, When I kept silent, my bones washed away through my groanings all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. And my strength was sapped as in the heat of autumn. Summer, sorry. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And notice what he says, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. See, I want to see something. David could never have really experienced true restoration if he was forgiven yet still carried guilt. True restoration means not only is the sin forgiven but also the guilt is removed. You can't be truly restored until you know in the depths of your heart the guilt that once reside in my heart over what I did, what I said, how I behaved, that guilt has been lifted from my heart. And it's only then can we fully know the power of restoration. Can you say amen? Now think about this. You know, what causes guilt? There's a few things that cause guilt. Learned response from families. An environment where you kind of grow up. You hear things like this. What you did, I will never, ever forget. Ever heard that? Or, you're going to feel bad forever. You know, so often, as parents, we can put a lot of guilt on our children. We can just put so much guilt on our children. You have failed me. You have disappointed me. And so, because we think we failed or messed up, then we think we've got to carry that with us for the rest of our lives. I love what Jesus said to the woman. The Bible says she was caught in the very act of adultery. You know what the Bible said to her? What Jesus said to her? He says, go and sin no more. Wow, what a release, what a freedom. And we need to get a hold of that. So often, it can come through, often, learnt response from families. It can come through anxiety. As I said before, sometimes if we, we think if we feel bad enough, then we won't mis- do the same mistake again. And you'll never ever be free from the power of guilt until you really come to a point in your life where you say, Jesus, from this point on, I'm bringing it to your cross, and that is it. Once and for all, removed, dealt with, gone. Can you say amen? That's the way sometimes it can come. Because we feel, we want to feel bad about it. We, we think that's a good way. We don't feel really that, that unless we keep feeling bad about things, we can ever really enjoy God. I think religion absolutely thrives on guilt. You found that. Some of the most religious people you can meet are some of the most guilty people. 
Everything they do, they do out of guilt. They just, it, it, just, it just thrives. Because they think that the more they do, it will somehow lift the guilt. You know what happens? The more you do, the more you realise it's never enough. I'm going to pray for five hours a day. And you pray for five hours a day, and yet you still feel guilty. You read your, I'm going to read my Bible now. Three hours a day. And whatever you do, it doesn't remove, because you're trying to cover it with religion. That's what Adam and Eve did. Remember that? They covered themselves with fig leaves. It was a, a, a human covering, but didn't really cover the guilt. And often people do religious things to try to lift the guilt. Guilt can only be removed by one way, and that's by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's the only thing that can remove the stain of sin and guilt. Can you say amen? There's nothing about guilt. Third thing, what causes guilt? You know, people can actually enjoy the feelings of guilt. You know that? We, we, oh, people can use guilt to control others. People can make you feel guilty because if they make you feel guilty, they control you. And I've seen over time and time again how people are controlled by someone making them feel guilty. I remember years ago, in Birmingham, there was a girl, and she used to visit a dear old lady, which was wonderful. But that old lady then began to manipulate her, control her by guilt. If she didn't go around once, she'd absolutely pour the guilt on her. And even though she had an incredibly busy job and everything else going on in her life, she visited her as much as she could because she knew if she didn't visit her, she would feel what? Guilty. And she was controlled until she realized it and put it right. But people can control people through guilt. People can use guilt as an excuse from success. Oh, I could never do that. Or I'm just not good enough to do it. Guilt can also be a means of gaining attention. We think it can draw attention to ourselves, the guilt. There are different let me tell you, four, quickly, very form, 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 forms of guilt. Form, forms of guilt. Form and form don't go well together for a Birmingham person. Feel forms of guilt. There's the first one. True guilt. You feel guilty because you are guilty. Because the things that you've done wrong, you've never really forsaken it, and you've never really put it right. Something you are perpetually doing. And you feel guilty because you've never really dealt with it and forsaken it and put it right. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. That word confess means to say as God says it. To see your sin as God sees it, as it really is. We don't excuse it. We don't blame anybody else for it. We say, Lord, I sinned. No excuse. I sinned. I messed up. I failed you. I sinned against you. I see my sin for it really is. And I forsake it. And I turn from it. And right there, that moment, you know what the Bible says? The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all Say the word all. Sin. Second thing is unfinished guilt. Things that we really struggle with. We don't feel much forgiven at that point of guilt. It's unfinished because we've never really had a clean break from it. And here's what happens. We confess it time and time again. We confess the same sin. Every day we get up and confess it. Every day we just confess the same sin over and over again. It's unfinished guilt. Why is that? Because we lack faith in the power of the blood. Sometimes we think that what we've done is just too bad. How could God ever forgive me for that? How could God ever forgive me when I've done it ten times before? And so we never, so we just confess it over and over again, not realizing that when I confess it, the blood cleanses me. Can you say amen? Cleanses me and removes it. And you bring it through the cross once and for all. 
I think people need a revelation of Romans 6, 1-2. The Bible says that when we died with Christ, we died for sin once and for all. He's saying, if you can, how can we continue in sin when we've died to it? And we need to get a revelation, I've died to it. It doesn't need to have a power over my life because as far as God is concerned, it's when he died, I died with it. The old nature, all the stuff in my life is dead, it's finished, buried. I was baptised, I was buried with him in baptism, so I rise to him in newness of life. It's dealt with, it's removed, I've died to it. How can he have control over me? Because no, I'm dead to it. Now you need to get a revelation in your heart for that. And when you do, it sets you free. It really does. When you realise that that thing you're struggling with, actually, in reality, it's dead. You're dead to it. Suddenly you realise it's got no power over me. The devil's been lying to me. He's been telling me that's got power over me. That's got control over me. But reality is, it's dead, finished, out of the way. Because when he died, I died with it. Can you say amen to that? Here's the next thing. The shame guilt. My shame comes as a result of not what you do, but now it becomes who you are. You become a person full of shame. Because the guilt has been internalised in your heart, and now it's not just so much what you do, it's who you are. You become a shame-based nature. You feel guilty about everything. You feel a person, you feel useless. You feel inferior. You never feel good enough. You feel ashamed of yourself. When something goes wrong, you always think it's your fault. And so you live with this perpetual conflict because of the shame that's come in your heart through unresolved guilt. I think guilt can come through Failure to meet expectations. You don't feel you meet the expectations of your family. You don't feel you meet the expectations of your wife, your husband, your children, fathers, mothers. You never really feel you ever match up to expectations. And because you don't feel you you match up to expectations, you feel guilty. I heard a, a story of, of, of actually where this, this guy he got 10 A's, A stars, and one B. And how his father absolutely slated him over the one B he got. Instead of saying, I think the nine A stars are amazing, he was, why didn't you get A star? Why didn't you, why didn't you get a B there? How many know that creates expectation? And you feel guilty because you don't meet the expectations you feel that are over your life. And so it leaves you with an incredible sense of feeling guilty. Okay, let's get to the good news. Let me close it. How do we get free from guilt? Here's the first thing I just touched on earlier. Repent. Put it right. Confess it. Put it under the blood. Then move on. Amen? Confess it put it on the blood, then move on. Accept God's assessment of sin and know he's dealt with it and he's cleansed you from it. I think repentance breaks the power of guilt. It's where you confront your mistakes. It's where you confront your guilt. I think repentance isn't a heavy thing. It's all about freedom from guilt because it opens your life to receive the awesome grace of God. Can you say amen? Every time I'm there, it just it opens my life, opens my heart, that the grace of God may be imparted and released in my life and released in my heart. Here's the next thing. Reset your expectations. Refuse to live under the expectations of anybody. Amen? Refuse to leave anybody else put their expectations on you. Loose yourself from that. Here's the third, third thing. Quit rehearsing it. Keep, quit going over it in your mind all the time. Rehearsing it, talking about it, thinking about it. 
Don't keep going over it and meditating, rehearsing it in your life. The more you rehearse it, the more you talk about it, the more you focus on it, the more the power of it will grow. Instead of focusing on your guilt, focus on what Jesus has done for your heart and what Jesus has done for your life. Can you say amen? Here's the next thing. Release yourself. Forgive yourself. Don't live under the weight of a bad decision. Because when Jesus bought you, he bought your problems. No matter how big or how much of a mess that you think it was, bring it to the cross and leave it there. There's there's one more thing. I caught the book of remembrance. Turn me to Malachi. Malachi chapter 3. Let me read you one verse from Malachi chapter 3, verse 16. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him, for those who fear the Lord and those who meditate on his name. I want you to get a hold of what it means, this book of remembrance. I love this. This is amazing. I love it. If you don't hear anything else, hear this right now about the book of remembrance. You know, we'll take Fred. We'll use Fred, because no one one called here Fred today, is there? No? Okay. Okay. So here is Fred. He's driving to work. On the way, he's driving to work. Somebody pulls out in front of him. And so he just feels really angry and, you know, mouths something and, well, you know, he just kind of loses a little bit there. Then when he gets to work, the boss starts giving him a bit of a heavy day and so he feels angry about what the boss has said about him. He feels mad and angry. And then there's one of his work colleagues is giving him a bit of pressure and, you know, he feels sort of pressure of that. And so he moans and groans a little bit about that situation. So he just says, Lord, I'm really sorry, bro. I shouldn't have reacted that way. That driver, I should, help me, Lord, just forgive, forgive me the way I reacted to that driver. And that boss, Lord, please forgive me the way I felt angry and bitter towards him. And he just brings it, confesses, brings it under the blood. Now, while he's there that same day, a work colleague says, can, you, can I share something with you? And he shares some problems, some difficulties he's got. And he says, well, and he talks to him. He says, well, can I just pray for you? And he just prays for him over that situation. How does God remember that? In the book of remembrance, this is what God says about Fred. It says, Fred, on um, whatever it was, 3rd of October, Fred, you showed amazing faith. On the 3rd of October, Fred, you showed amazing love and amazing grace. That's how God remembers it. Let me show you another example, a biblical one, which are good ones to have. Look at Genesis. Uh, so it's Hebrews 11. Here's the book of remembrance. Hebrews 11. Verse 11. There is dear Sarah. In Hebrews 11, verse 11. It's what it says. By faith Sarah also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged herself faithful for what she had promised. Genesis 18. Here we see the account of Sarah in Genesis chapter 18. Genesis 18, verse 12. It says, Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I have grown old, Shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old thus? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh. And she was afraid. And he said, No, but you did laugh. So yes, it is. God says to Sarah, You're going to have a baby. Now, she's 90, so 
And so she laughs, but the laugh is a mocking laugh. She mocks us. She laughs. And not only does she laugh, she lies, because God said she laughs. She said, no, I didn't laugh. She actually lies as well. But in the book of remembrance, God says, Sarah is a woman of faith. She believed me. She trusted me. Because in the book, because Genesis was written for our sake, Hebrews is the book of how God sees it, how God remembers it. God says, I know Sarah was faithful. She believed in me. See, God is not honoured when we live under the influence of past sins. Because the greatest problem, really, as people get older, you know, one of the things is sometimes, which is a result of guilt, people begin to live in, in regret. The power of regret. If only I would have done this. If only I would have said this. If only I would have made a different decision right there. And many live, because of guilt, under the power of regret. And regret can cause you to, to waste your life. I believe the blood. You know when he says the blood of Jesus cleanses? It cleanses and it goes on cleansing. I mean, Tim, have any of you ever had chickens? I think you're probably the only one. Okay. Yeah, no, yeah, Gareth, I got you. Yeah, Gareth and Wendy, of course. Yeah. Well, Gareth, I should say Gareth there. No, yeah. but, now, this might not be true, okay? So I'm saying it might not be. But I've heard that when... They tran- when they transport chickens and they tie, they bind their legs, after they untie the, the chickens, untie the rope that binds their legs, they still walk and act as if they're bound, even though the rope's not there anymore. I don't know if chickens walk, but that's if they did. Do they walk? Or why they find a... But here's the point. You've been forgiven and cleansed by the blood. How come you still live bound? How, still, how come you still are held? By the power of guilt. The Bible says this. He who has forgiven much, he who has been forgiven much, loves much. Now that doesn't mean that you particularly commit more sins more than anybody else. But I found this. When a person really understands the power of forgiveness, when they really understand what they've been forgiven from, you know what leaves in them? A passion for God. Have you ever heard some of the testimonies of people like maybe Teen Challenge? Guys who've really reached the bottom in life. Have you noticed the passion they have? Have you found the passion there? Why is that? I don't think it's just because they've reached the bottom of life, but they realise the power of forgiveness. They realise what it's like to be forgiven and cleansed and to be free from guilt. As long as as we've never really, as long as we hold on to guilt, actually, we're rejecting what God's made available to us. And we'll never have true passion for God as long as we're controlled by guilt. He who has forgiven, he who has been forgiven much will always love much. Will always have a passion deep inside their hearts. Let me close with this. What does a, a forgiven person look like? I think a forgiven person lives a life that's free from the influence of their past. Are there things I wished I could change? Yes. Things I wish I could have done differently? Yes. But I refuse to live under the influence of that. Instead, I want to live a life of celebration that celebrates what God has done rather than live under the power of past guilt and past mistakes and past failure. You know what it does when the guilt's taken out of your life? You know how differently you live? You have an open well. You said earlier about what blocks our lives. Well, I think guilt is an incredible blocker, incredible wall. It blocks what God wants to do. It blocks the joy, blocks the peace, blocks the things that God wants to release from your life. It blocks your well. Oh, but when you release your guilt, those things that block your well are just boom, removed from your life forever. Can you say amen? Now, this is what we're going to do in a few moments. I want to show you a, 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 it's a video clip I want you to see.
powerful song. I love the song, and it's powerful. Really powerful. I want to spend a few moments listening and let that song get again a grip of your heart. Then what we're going to do, if this is something you want to deal with today, I've got nails. You say, why nails? I'll tell you why I say nails. Because the Bible says this, that he took the accusations that was placed against us and he nailed it to the cross. Is that right? So what we're going to say to people today, again, it's something what you want to do is in your heart to do, that just take a nail and say, Lord, that's my guilt, if you like. That nail. You know what I'm doing? I'm coming right now and I'm throwing it at the cross. I'm releasing it. Once and for all, I'm releasing it to receive your grace and mercy. I'm releasing it. I'm bringing it and releasing it. I remember we did this. Not, did, I did this illustration, but not the same sermon. Uh, once, and, it, and it, was, it was a lot of people, and it, the wall was, it was just a wooden floor. And all you could hear was... And it was lovely to hear all the nails just falling on the floor as people were just releasing things in their life. And so if that's in your heart right now, there's just a nail there. We're just going to a few moments of quiet worship. You just take the nail and you just leave at that cross. And that is your moment. Still said about his moment. And this may be your moment that once and for all we're going to lay it to rest. Lay it to rest once and for all, finished, gone forever. Because we're putting it under the blood. Can you say amen? So we've got that video clip ready. We're going to see this video clip and then we're going to invite people to come and maybe take these nails and just ask the worship band to come back. So, that way.
right now if Bush Branch has come back and how wonderful as far as the east is from the west almost they never meet ever thought about that that's as far as the Lord has removed our transgressions Lord we just thank you today for your, for your forgiveness Well, thank you that Lord we see it right now it's from one scarred hand to the other Lord we just thank you today Lord that we don't have to live under the power of guilt but Lord that your blood is sufficient that the power of your cross is enough, O oh God. And Lord, today we want to just loose ourselves right now from every bondage, from every hold, every grip of guilt. Lord, today we want to, if you like, do finished work and recognize, Lord, today that your blood has cleansed, your blood is forgiven. Lord, you've removed our sin today as far as the east is from. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Elam Church. For more downloads, information or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk.